If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up right from the get-go. We're going to read the passage that we're going to be talking about today. And uh, matter of fact, I've got quite a few passages. This is not Pastor Phil doing an expository sermon. This is Pastor Phil doing a rare topical sermon, but in line with what we're doing right now on holiness. So let's stand together and we're going to put up a passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 14, 15, and 16. Uh, I, am going to, I am going to read verse 13, and I would like you to join me, all of you, on verse number 14. And so let me read 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now join me. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You can look at that passage of scripture all day long and you can gaze at it until the cows come home, so to speak, but it's not going to disappear from the scriptures. God intends for his people, his children, to be holy like he is holy. Now, just hold on. Don't give up. We're going to talk about this this morning. Holiness is something that God is interested in, in spite of the culture that we live in. Father, add your blessing to the preaching and the teaching of your word. Apply it to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I have a prayer partner in the morning who comes in, and I told him this morning that this sermon and passage have worked me over, and so I came to the pulpit, and we prayed together, and then I came to the pulpit this morning, and I preached this sermon, and then I had to go get by myself because I needed this sermon so much. So I, I, uh, I never preach anything that, I, that doesn't pertain to me or that I don't need, but I, I need this sermon. Now, here's where we are. Last time we said, holy, 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 God is holy. I pounded that nail pretty deep last Sunday, and I trust something stuck. At least we come to this fact, and it is not deniable, and that is this, that there is no one like our God. God is holy. Three times, holy, holy, holy is our God. I gave you some many things about that, but I just want to state this again. To be holy means to be set apart, separate, different, unlike, or unique. When we're talking about God's holiness, we're talking about his absolute purity. He is unstained by sin and evil. He is perfect in every way and perfectly good all the time. We say that as a quip, but the Bible teaches it. God's always good. You know that? He's always perfect. He's perfect in every attribute, and he is holy in every attribute. Now, we're going to start with a rather startling and show-stopping statement from the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. You can see it up on the screen, at least I can on that screen. You have it. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. That's kind of a stunning statement, isn't it? Let me, let's read that together. Uh, let's read it out loud. Ready? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, the first word in that sentence is the word pursue. And when it says pursue, that's a, 
Uh, it's an imperative. And so let me ask you, is that just passive or is, there, is it an active thing for us? Is it a command? What is that? Passive or active? Active. Pursue. And if you know anything about English, and of course it's written in Greek, but translated into English. And so we know that uh, the, the you is understood. You pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. Uh, wait a minute. Somebody says that little word pursue seems to indicate effort. And I thought we were saved by grace, through faith, plus nothing, like Romans 3 and Galatians 2 teaches us. Why, Pastor Matt spent the whole summer last summer teaching us on Wednesday night that we can't save ourselves by works. Pastor Phil, are you contradicting him? Of course not. We are, thankfully, justified, declared righteous before God by faith and without works. Praise the Lord. It's all of grace. And I just stand up here in front of you this morning to tell you that I, Phil Winfield, have been declared right. I haven't been made righteous yet. That's a process. I hadn't been made righteous. One day I will be glorified, be just like him. But I have been declared righteous. I have been given a robe of righteousness, the righteous deeds and acts of Jesus Christ. He has given it to me. And as I stand before you this morning because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are looking at a person upon whom God looks with favor. And when he sees me, he doesn't see my sins. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus Christ. How many of you are saved today? Say amen. All right. When he sees you, he sees the righteous works, acts, and goodness of his son, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? But he wants us to walk in holiness. This verse says something. What verse? Well, pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one can see the Lord. It says something. And it's not the only one. What does it say? Well, that's the subject of today's sermon. Last week, I talked about God's three-time holy nature. This week, I'm talking about God's call for his children to be holy like him. Now, wait a minute. Don't hit the doors running. I want you to understand this this morning. If God has asked us to do something, there are two irrefutable truths that we have to keep in mind. Here are the irrefutable truths about the commands and the request of God. One, God is not asking us to do the impossible. Two, God always enables us to obey his commands. It's axiomatic in, in scripture. He isn't asking us to do what we cannot do, and he is not asking, something, asking us to do something he will not enable us to do. How many of you believe that? Say amen. So when he says, be ye holy as I am holy, do you think he's kidding? No. Let's seek to understand and then to obey. There's a general definition of personal holiness, and I'm going to borrow this definition from Jerry Bridges' book. And the name of that book is uh, not... Uh, not um, uh, not surprisingly, the name of that book is The Pursuit of Holiness. I've read that book 14 times now because I've worked with J-Men and every year I read it again and every time I read it, I feel convicted like I do this morning. <laughs> the Pursuit of Holiness. I recommend the book to every believer. Here's what it says. To be holy is to be morally blameless. It is to be separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. This is a not part of his definition, but this is my extrapolation. It is to live in a way fitting for the child of God. It is to live a life in conformity to the moral precepts of the Bible in contrast to the sinful ways of the world. That's very important. We don't 
copy the world, emulate or imitate the world. As believers, we have one design we want to follow, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. This is what God is asking of us. Pastor this really sounds tough. Well, just keep listening. It's to live in conformity to the moral precepts of God's word. Here's some scriptures, and I've given you many of them. I don't know if they included all these and put them in the, up on the screens, but you can listen. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8, listen to the word of God. This is the will of God. <laughs> you know, so I get asked that all the time. Pastor Phil, I'm just hunting for the will of God. Well, it's not like an Easter egg hunt. It's not like you've got to go lift up rocks. Just listen to the word of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the pagans or the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. For as we forewarned you and testified, listen to verse seven, for God did not call us to uncleanness but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us the Holy Spirit. Notice the relationship between the words at the first of the passage, sanctification, and the word at the end of the passage, holiness. Sanctification and holiness are related terms and words, even coming from the same root. I read it a moment ago, another passage, 1 Peter 1, 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves. Does that word conform, does that remind you of anything else in the scripture? How about Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I won't go on with that any further. Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It's not all. It is this, and I could read the rest of the day, just verses on the call to holiness, but here's one more, very prominent. Ephesians 4, to 24, it says that we should put off concerning our former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This isn't a subsection of the Bible. This is not some little quip or in the side note or margin of the Bible. Over and over and over, God intends that we live holy lives. Let me give you three thoughts this morning quickly. First, and that's the, this is the biggest point, the longest point, but listen to this, and that is this, and that is that holiness is prescribed in the Bible. It is put upon us. It is prescribed. Here's the Old Testament, Leviticus 2.2. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, I am. Your God am holy. New Testament, major passage, Ephesians chapter one. Just as he chose us in him, this is verse four. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You say, Pastor Phil, this is a hard subject. Walking in the holiness in a world like ours is very, very difficult. Nevertheless, the scriptures teach personal holiness. Now I wrestle with this just like you do. 
I just gave testimony of that after my own preaching. So I always ask myself this question, what is God's part and what is my part in this pursuit of holiness? Also, I have this question. If personal holiness on the part of God's children is so important, why is it that we see so little of it? Pastor Phil, why is it that instead of conforming to the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29, it seems like many professing believers are conforming to the culture around us? We move with the culture even as believers. Let me illustrate if I could. How many of you are 50 and above? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you were in church when you were young? Raise your hand. Of those. We know that holiness has always been important. But we used to stand here and look over at the wicked world and say, praise the Lord. We're not, we're not where they are. Thank God. Kind of like the Pharisee. We're not like they are. And, you know, we've, we, we've, we've been born again. We know the Lord, and we're trying to follow the Lord. Look where they are over there. Time passes. Days go by. Decades come and go. And the world, as the Scripture says, in the last days, evil men and iniquity will get worse and worse. So the world just keeps going over there. And what we do is keep our distance. And now we're standing where they were standing and the world keeps moving and we keep our distance. Do you think God is okay with us just keeping our distance or does he actually want us to be holy as he is holy? What do you think? Let me ask you a question. Do you think the church in America and the world needs a revival? Holiness is prescribed First Peter once again points out that God intends that there be a difference between his holy people and the world around us. If you have your Bibles, and I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but you might want to look it up in First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, and we're really using the scriptures today because this is such an abundant thing in the scriptures. First uh, Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, comma, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So there was a point in time that we came to know Jesus as our personal savior. The gospel reached even to us and we believed. And because we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were born into his family and we became new creatures in Christ. That's what this is talking about. So that we should no longer from that point on live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Verse 3, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles or the pagans when we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries in regard to these things, they, who's they? The ones that still do that. They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. That is not knowing when to apply the brakes. Everything's okay. Just do what you want, when you want, how you want, with whoever you want at any time you want. That's life. Live it out. Do whatever you want because there's enough of grace of God to cover everything. I mean, that's what you Christians say. And they think it's weird that a believer actually takes God into account and wants to do what God wants him to do and he wants to live a holy life. 
And you saw the list of things that believers are just not supposed to continue participating in. In regard to these things, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You know, we're not supposed to follow the world. Here's what we do, though. We tend to make our spiritual walk self-centered and not God-centered. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, even when we do have a sin or a sinful habit, we like to get the victory over it and claim it. Get the victory over that sin and rejoice in our victory more than simply walking in obedience to what God has said. Whenever I start boasting or or talking about getting the victory over something and praising God for the victory, the question is, who, who am I giving the glory to? You know, we even sometimes pray for victory when we should just simply walk in obedience. We pray for victory when we should walk in obedience. Let me give you an illustration. We, we don't have to pray about whether we are to lie or not. We don't have to pray about whether we commit fornication or adultery or not. We do not have to pray about living together unmarried or not. Now, Pastor Phil, this is 2024. Are you understanding the culture in which we live? Have I, can I find anywhere that God's word has changed? Let me ask you, is the holiness of God any less than it's always been? Yes or no? When he says to be holy as I am holy, do you think he's thinking of something else? Or is he grading on a curve? The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was an issue of a man living with his father's wife and committing all kinds of things. And I mean, it was horrors and they were going to tear the church down. At least Paul was if they didn't get this right. But today it's almost, well, we just hope they grow out of that. Hmm. You know, victory is the byproduct of obedience, even if the obedience is simply confessing and forsaking some sins. And we say, well, I just don't know. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans chapter 6 teaches that I am dead to those things. What a concept. We have an illustration of it whenever we baptize somebody, but the true baptism is when a person becomes, to, becomes a believer and trusts Jesus in their life. They are identifying with the man who died and was buried and rose again. Romans 6 says that I died with him and I have risen with him and I'm a new man. I'm not the same person that I used to be. And the person who used to just be a slave to doing any and everything that passed through my little mind and as the culture around it pressed me, the man who did those things is dead and a new man has risen to life. Let me see if I can illustrate that. I am dead to that particular sin, for instance. I have no hands to click my mouse on pornography because the man who had those hands died with Jesus and he rose again and so this hand no longer belongs to that guy and so I'm not obligated to do what I used to do. Holiness. Let me go on. Uh, I am, this hand is no longer my hand or the hand that can lift that glass to my alcoholic lips and continue to do what I despise. I can't do that because I have died to those things and I have been risen with Christ. And if any man is in Christ, he is a new, 
All things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the Bible says I have to reckon it so, consider it so, believe it so, take action according to this truth. The truth is the guy who did these things, whether it was the sin of the mind, the sin of the heart, the sin of the hand, the foot, the mouth, the eyes, the ears, listening to the wrong things, looking at the wrong things, behaving, that guy died with Christ. And now I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And when the temptation comes, I'm no longer obligated I can look to the spirit of God who is in me and I can say, nope, help me, Lord. Because temptation's still there and the old nature's still there and evil desires are still there, James chapter one and two. It's still there. We tend to make our spiritual walk self-centered. We misunderstand living by faith. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somebody's going to say, there you have it, Pastor. We live by faith, not by effort. Okay, amen. We come alive spiritually by faith in Jesus Christ, and we live daily by faith in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without doubt, faith is the root of an obedient walk. However, the scriptures teach that we take our responsibility in the pursuit. There's that pesky little word, pursue holiness. Pursue holiness, effort required to walk in obedience. Here's a passage, 1 Timothy 4, 7. First word of the passage, exercise. See it? Exercise. And I've got three little words to kind of describe that. Discipline, train, and strive. Work on it. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Go ahead and switch it. I've started looking up there. For all things, exercise, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having a promise of life that now is for today and for that is in the future. So exercise yourself for godliness. That means effort. How about Philippians 2, 12 to 13? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Doesn't say work for your own salvation. It says work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Well, how do I do that? Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will, makes you want to, and to do his good pleasure. He enables it. We hear a couple of phrases all the time that are not accurate or very unfortunate. We hear these phrases and they're in contrast to pursue holiness. They are these, stop trying and start trusting. We hear it all the time. There's another one. Let go and let God. I just want to be spiritual. I'm waiting on that lightning strike, God. I want to be spiritual. I just want you to enable it. Come on. Does spiritual growth happen like that? No. Pursue. Exercise. Strive. Discipline yourself. Ah. And so we work on it. Sounds great, but God doesn't strike us with holiness like sending down a lightning bolt. No, we grow in grace and knowledge and obedience. Something else we do is categorize sin. We tend to categorize sin. We got our ways of looking at sin that aren't biblical. Instead of seeing all sin as awful and an affront to our three times holy God, we put sin in various categories. I mean, the big category, of course, is murder, rape, pedophilia, theft, and the like. (laughs) It's terrible stuff. But then there are other things that when it suits us, seems necessary, or it seems to be a way out of trouble, we will have lust, lies, fraud, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, pride, arrogance, prejudice. They seem to fall under the radar of what those standards are. 
Jerry Bridges wrote another book, and the name of that book is called The Respectable Sins. And I just want to tell you, friends, there are no respectable sins. None. Um, we, there are sins, the only kind of sin that exists is the kind that requires the death of Jesus on the cross to cover, remove, and forgive. Let me give you a second thought. Holiness is not only prescribed. God says, I want you to be holy, but it is expected. It is expected. First Peter 1.15, but as he is, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, in all your conduct, in all your conduct. Be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Indeed, it is written many, many times throughout the scriptures. I won't belabor the point, but God expects his children to be different, holy, set apart, and identifiable by their behavior and their attitude. Identifiable by their behavior and by their attitude. Let me say that again. Identifiable by their behavior and by their attitude. Let me just put it this way. If, is there enough evidence in your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, among the people you know and in your family? Is there enough evidence to set you apart enough to say, well, that guy, that, guy, that gal, that young teenager, that college student, they're, they're different because, well, there's just values and lifestyles that don't fit with our culture. Not pride, not, well, I'm better than you. No, no. Values, behavior, and attitude. We began with the verse, we began with that verse in Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace. I can't get away from that word pursue. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one can see the Lord. Now, folks, we have positional holiness before God in heaven. Praise God for that. I gave you that illustration a few moments ago. I stand justified, and so do you. In God's sight, we've got a robe of righteousness. Romans 5, 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, many will be made righteous. 1 Peter three eighteen. for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Hebrews 10, 9, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, I stand justified. I have positional holiness. Our standing in God's presence and our inheritance in heaven depends on Jesus' gift of righteousness. It does not depend upon our personal performance on earth. But when letter B, we are required to show personal holiness in life. In other words, those that are born into the family of God act like it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Holiness, folks, is not required as a condition of salvation. Somebody's getting in their mind, well, Pastor Phil's calling us for, to be perfect. He wants us to just live holy and then God will save us. Nope, farthest thing from the truth. That's not what I'm saying. Holiness is not required as a condition of salvation. That would be salvation by works. For by grace you say through faith, it is, it is the gift of God, not of what? Works, lest any man should boast. No, no. Not of works. Holiness is observed as an evidence of salvation which proves that something has happened to us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me ask you a question. What kind of strange salvation would it be to come to Jesus for forgiveness and acceptance and membership in the family, but to reject any thought 
of any personal change to my life and my lifestyle. I'll come to Jesus, but none of this changed me. I'll come, I want to go to heaven. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of what's happened to the gospel in America today. Anybody here want to go to heaven? Just raise your hand. Anybody here want to go to heaven? Just say, I do. Oh, everybody wants to go to heaven. Just raise your hand. That is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is come as you are, just as I am without one plea. We come just as we are, but not with some sort of condition, and you'll leave me just like I am. All I want is forgiveness in heaven, not the gospel. Not the gospel. Oh, it is so important for us to grab this, to understand it. What strange salvation. Let me ask you a question. This is where we're going to. Do you desire to be holy. Does the love of God poured out for you at Calvary and your love for him give you that desire? If it does, then you're given some evidence of what you want and who you belong to. Holiness is possible is the third one. Third, holiness is possible. Again, what am I talking about? To be morally blameless and to be separated from sin and consecrated to God is our calling and it is possible. God has provided for our sanctification in conjunction with his calling. God has not called and required us to be and do something that is beyond a possibility. So let's look at that. How is that? Up on the screen, you're going to see Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. I'm only going to emphasize those words. For the grace of God, let me stop there. The grace of God. God's unmerited, unearned favor, his goodness, kindness, his love, and his favor toward you. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But then verse 12 says, that same grace teaches us, instructs us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. The same divine grace that rescues us from sin and sin's penalty also trusts instructs and enables us to deny living ungodly lives. Now I want to clear up something for you. The word ungodly, I want to help you with that. When I say, boy, just what about all these ungodly deeds? Well, there are not ungodly deeds. Ungodly and iniquity, wickedness, sins, infractions, and transgression are two different things. The ungodly, what, is the, what, what are the ungodly? <clears throat> uh, to be ungodly means you take no thought of God. He doesn't figure in your planning. You don't take thought of him in your day. You just get up, do your thing, go about it, make your decisions, go through life. And God does not figure in the plan, the daily plan, the diary, the journal. He's not ahead of it, in the middle of it, or after it. Ungodly, <clears throat> it is to live as if there is no God. You can be a fine fellow. You can pay your bills and earn your money. You can do a lot of things and and seem like a fine, upstanding, tax-paying citizen and be ungodly. But then there's the wickedness part, wickedness, iniquity, transgressions, infractions, stepping across the line. That, in amortology, those are the actual deeds. But the ungodliness is the worst of the worst of the worst because we just act like there is no God, therefore we are God. Mm. Ungodly. It teaches us to deny ungodly. In other words, the grace of God that brings salvation also teaches us to acknowledge him in our daily lives because we want to live godly 
lives. The divine grace that rescues us from sin instructs us to deny living as if God doesn't exist and to deny wicked lifestyles, enables us to live alertly, righteously, and always keeping God in our thoughts. Holiness is possible because God makes it possible. Just a couple of things. Holy living invites God's fellowship. Without it, no one will see the Lord. You say, well, that's what I'm worried about. I want to make sure I go to heaven. not talking about that. No one's going to see the Lord. Many people live their entire Christian lives and they're never able to pinpoint, put their finger on when God was active, when God was talking, when you were listening, when he was moving, when you, when the spirit through his word led you to do this, that, or the other, or you prayed and here, because it's just not something going on in your life. Many people live that way. Those that are not walking in holiness are just not going to see God busy in their lives. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. Holiness is vital for effective service. And this is huge. Second Timothy 2, 19 to 21. The Lord knows those that are his and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It goes on to talk about a great house. In a great house, they're not just vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. He's given an illustration. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is the iniquity part. If he cleanses himself from the latter, watch this. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Holiness is required for fellowship. Holiness is required for usefulness for our God. People who hope in God seek to live holy lives. Beloved, we are the children of God. How many of you have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you claim God as your father? Raise your hand. Amen. Folks, we are children of God now. Not going to be. We have been born again into a lively hope. We have been born again into his family. We are the children of God. It doesn't, has, has not appeared what, is, what we're going to be like. It hasn't been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Number three, here it is. And everyone who has this hope, what hope? That is of being able to be in his presence. Everyone who has this hope, if we have this hope, what do we do? We purify ourselves. (laughs) Listen, folks, I didn't write the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm just telling you this morning, black ink on white paper says that those people that know Jesus are to attempt, intend, try, make effort, pursue with the help of the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus. Yes or no? Does the Bible teach this? Yes or no? Am I creating this? But it sounds like it in this society, doesn't it? I said a few moments ago, we need a revival. Do we need a revival? It will be linked directly to Christians walking in holiness. What would happen to your circle of influence and to our collective circle of influence with a crowd of this 300 and something, 400 people, if they decided, all right, holiness for the next 180 days, what would happen? Holiness. Uh, I got to jump a couple of things. People who truly know God enjoy the inner activity of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, I've given you a lot. 
I want you to make sure you don't miss this last point. This is it. This is the major issue that I want to show you today. Because I've said God requires us to be holy and to act holy and to live holy and to be different from the culture. And we're like, this is just impossible. I want you to get this. First Peter 1.15. Let me read it with emphasis. But as... He who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for or as or like I am holy. Write this down. You are not asked to be as holy as God is. You are not asked to be as holy as God is, but to be holy as like God is holy. Be like him. You can't be him, but you can be, you can be separated like him. Not to the degree. It's not, a matter of, it's not a matter of destiny, where I'm going when I die. It's a matter of degrees, how I'm living as I'm headed to my destiny. God is perfect in holiness, folks. How many of you believe that's true? We make progress. And he's perfect, but we make progress. It's a question of direction. Do you want to be holy? It reveals a lot about your spiritual state. Second, which direction are you walking? Toward holiness or toward? Now there's pitfalls and there's, there's uh, potholes and pitfalls, both directions. But is your, is your desire toward God, toward Christ's likeness? Is that where you, I, listen, I want to build you up in the faith today. I want to help you, you believers in Jesus Christ. I want to help you today to understand that God has called us not just to salvation, not just to eternity in heaven. He's called us to like Christ's likeness and holiness in this life. And it is the empowering factor for our witness. We need a revival. We need a revival of holy Christians.